Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and fitness, where we learn to overcome adversity, to pick back first fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Guys, it's Labor Day. If you haven't already, you have the time off, go check out www.redefine-fitness. We have in-person and virtual options. I'm going to quickly check about those two online options. One is all-inclusive through our new training app. You're going to get to work with one of our trainers who's going to set programs for you, track everything. It's going to have videos, how to do the workouts. And every two weeks, we're going to readjust that and make sure that you're seeing results through these programs. The second one is an online nutrition program. This is not a diet program. If you listen to the show, you know how much I hate that word, diet. It's horrible. It's a lifestyle change. Instead of telling you what to eat, I'm going to teach you how to eat by eating the foods you enjoy, but still being able to lose weight. You're not going to drop 20 pounds in three days. I promise you that. Yeah, you heard that right. You're not going to. But instead, you're going to learn how to eat healthy for the rest of your life and never have to worry about crash dieting ever again. Today's show, we have Dr. Stedman coming on. We're going back to that chiropractic realm, which we kind of love talking about. We got some really good ones on here in past episodes. But we're going to do more about neurology. I didn't get to tell him pre-show because we kind of just hopped into it that that's why I started this show was brain injury. So had one myself. He's going to discover all that lovely information. So I'm really going to pick his brain. Horrible analogy. So without further ado, let me welcome to the show, Dr. Stedman. Hey, how are you? Doing all right. I hope you like that intro. <laughs> yeah, that was a great intro. Great intro. That corny joke really made it. But <laughs> before we kind of talk about brain injuries and neurology and all that fun stuff, first, why did you get into this realm? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I, uh, my mom, it's funny, funny story. People do ask me this question. My mom worked for a chiropractic neurologist when I was in high school and that was just our chiropractor, you know, so I didn't know much different, but my mom would come home with all these really cool stories about, you know, what, what they did at work and who they saw get better. And, um, I was a music major at the time. So I think about halfway through college, I was like, I want to do what that guy did. You know, I was like, that was super cool. And all the cool stories. And, you know, and obviously you get to know him, you know, since your mom works for him. And uh, so I was like, I want to become a chiropractic neurologist too. So I went to school and got my chiropractic degree. And then afterwards I got my neurology degree and jumped into practice. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I just, it's just a great field to help people. And there's not a lot of people that know how to do brain rehab. It's definitely gotten better over the years. Um, you know, with the concussion movie that came out that really helped to kind of fast forward some of the knowledge and awareness of it. But, you know, back in the day, nobody was really even talking about this stuff. So it was kind of cool to jump into the arena and, help people out and learn more about fixing brains. What, what were you studying for music? Was, it was a drummer, wasn't it? It was, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Figured it out. Just was looking at it. I was like, I know a drummer when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. I love it. So you got into working with someone who was already doing this, which is awesome. You got to have that hands-on experience with them. So what's a typical case that you see you know a typical case is usually somebody that has been to many different doctors and practitioners and in, in offices and i think unfortunately still in this world 
that brain injuries aren't really being handled very well. It's still like a wait and see. It's, you know, hey, go go back to your house. Don't go to work. Don't go to school. Don't play sports. Don't get on the computer. Stay in the dark. Don't do too much. And come back and see me in three months. And that's still kind of the model that's out there. So our typical patient is, unfortunately, usually a year or two out from their concussion. And they're not able to do what they love. They can no longer play a sport. Some of them have had to change careers. Some of them don't do well in the family dynamics and they're just struggling. And so that's usually what we tend to see, which is kind of sad. I wish it wasn't the case, which is why I love doing this and educating on podcasts, but I wish it wasn't the case and we could get more people early on. But that's kind of our typical patient is things have kind of fallen apart. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to see. And now they're just getting placed on medications. So me, I was your typical patient. Very good. This is going to be so easy to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to fill you in, and I know my audience has heard this before, but severe concussion, fell backwards on ice, whiplash, herniated C2 all the way down to C6, totally straight neck, frozen shoulder, the whole nine yards. Let me tell you, that happened in February. I don't recall anything until like mid-May. I heard that all I did was like sit in my dorm room in the dark. I couldn't look at light. And it was Percocet, muscle relaxer, flexorol, and 500 mg of ibuprofen every day. Yep. And yep. Th- that was it. <laughs> See you yeah. in three months. <laughs> it's crazy. It's in the and the story hasn't changed. Just you just it's just copy and paste right now. And it's super sad. So I think that's why I think people like you and you know what I'm trying to do is like just we gotta bring awareness. We gotta tell people there's more out there than just sit in the dark and wait for the best. Or hopefully yeah, the best. And it's depressing. And I think the hardest part is something, it's this commonality, is you, when you go and talk to experts, and I'm going to put that in quotation marks only for this reason, I went to 25 different doctors, physical therapists, chiropractors, and I got the same response from every single buddy, every single one over three years. It's, we can't help you. It's, mm-hmm. or they would lie about helping me and then do something that would make it way worse. So it's just like you, they didn't understand, or maybe they just couldn't empathize, empathize with what the situation was like. And I explained, listen, like once a week I get these tension migraines, I can't get out of bed. It's not like it's a simple, like, oh, my head hurts. It's the slightest like light on the room, like prevents me from functioning. Yep. So then I have to take my muscle relaxers to decrease the tension in my traps and then the tension mark can go ahead. But muscle relaxers make you drool out of the side of your mouth. You're just like, <laughs> and then you pass out and sleep for 13 hours. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a common story. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. I think that's what most patients are frustrated with too, is that you go to all these different practitioners and I think they have good intentions, right? You know, so we can use chiropractic, you know, I think, the chiropractor has this great intention to help somebody that's suffering, but they have this one tool that they hope will magically fix everybody. And then you go to the physical therapist and they have their tool and you go to the ophthalmologist and they have their tool and you go to the neurofeedback person and they have one tool and they, you know, everybody has their one tool with great intentions, but the problem that's out there is nobody knows how to actually evaluate the brain. And there's not that many people that are actually taught that. So if you don't know how to evaluate the brain, then how do you know which tool is the best for that person? And everybody needs a different tool. Yeah. And, and I, just a really bad joke because I'm full of them today. Just to kind of add to your example. 
that when you go and you hit your head, because I've had four concussions at this point, so okay. I know the protocol for typical hospitals. They have you memorize three words, and then they have you repeat them like later, like five, ten minutes later. Yep. The issue is, and this is obviously just a, like not a big deal, but still, it's the same three words. It's <laughs> so. By the time it was my second concussion, they go, "We're gonna have you memorize three words." I was like, "Let me guess, apple, table, penny," and they go, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, okay, the woman started cracking up laughing. <clears throat> I was like, "Those are the three words you gave me last time." <laughs> I didn't forget yes. because apple, table, penny, ATP is energy. <laughs> Oh, there you go. You know, it's the same thing with like the impact test. You know, you talk to so many collegiate athletes, they have the impact test memorized by the time they get to their like third or fourth concussion, you know? So then they go back in the field and they're like, you know, like, oh yeah, you passed. You can you return to play. You know, they're like, well, I just memorized it. <laughs> so I can keep playing. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't show anything. You're just like, yeah, it's just this. <laughs> yeah. No worries. No. Yeah. So I, I even makes... had, I, I was going to say, I had a, pro, a professional, I had a professional soccer player that I was working on. And uh, it was funny because a lot of them will do this. They'll sandbag the impact test so that when they do get a concussion, that it doesn't look as bad as it should. And so he had sandbagged it. And and then when he had the test, he actually scored way better than his original baseline. And they're like, this doesn't make sense how he could have a concussion. And now you're scoring better than you used to. It's it's kind of a it's a messed up system out there. Yeah, no, it, it really is. So I guess the question is kind of leading into it is what makes chiropractor neurology different? Chiropractic neurology is different. Sometimes people will hear the term functional neurology. And, and the reason why that term is kind of growing some legs is because chiropractic neurologists try to understand the function. So if you slip on the ice and you hit the back of your head, what systems in the brain are no longer functioning? You know, and you in the back of your brain, you have your cerebellum. So that can make sense. You also have your visual cortex. So that can make sense. But then you have your brainstem in the middle that can kind of be kind of jarred and, and kind of sheared, as they'll talk about. So you can start having all these other issues like, you know, dry eyes or TMJ issues or swallowing issues, you know, speech issues. You can have all these different things. But if you don't go through and just actually do an examination or evaluation, then you don't know what's wrong. It's no different than if you you you. Uh, get into a car accident. Well, what does the mechanic say? Bring your car in. We'll check it out and we'll tell you what's wrong. <laughs> right. And that's kind of all we do. We say, bring your car in. I'm going to check it out and I'll tell you what's wrong. And I'll call and I'll tell you what we're going to do. No different than a mechanic. I will call you on the phone and I'll tell you, here's what's wrong with your car. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. That's the same concept. That's the functional neurology. And that's what makes chiropractic neurologists different because then we can tell you what's wrong and how we're going to fix it instead of like, you know, you taking your car to a mechanic and they go, you know what? Um, I use supplements. You're like, do you even know what's wrong with my car? You know, and that's kind of the difference in the functional neurology and, and even different than like conventional medicine. Because in conventional medicine, as you've experienced, it's a very much like try this, wait and see. Okay, take this, take this, wait and see. And, and it's kind of a wait and see trial and error kind of uh, type of medicine. So functional neurology is understanding the function, where the dysfunction takes place. And what tools can we use to make those areas of the brain work better? Love it. So it's just more of an all-encompassing approach, trying to figure Absolutely. out what's going on. So how, how would you perform a typical, or maybe let's say somebody gets a concussion, right? Mm -hmm. I've had four. So I, I'm going to help walk everyone through this. What's a typical examination or self-examination they could do to kind of figure out 
okay, what do I need to do to help myself get over this quickly? What do I, do I need to go to the hospital? Do I not need to go to the hospital? What are some protocols that we can know after we have one? You know, I, sometimes the need for hospitals do exist. You know, if you hit your head open or you see some major like um, biking accidents, you know, you, we got a lot of cyclists in Colorado. So you see, you know, bike accidents and broken helmets and, you know, those kind of things is probably make sure, it's good to make sure you don't have a brain bleed, you know, or something that's, that's pretty significant. Most of the time, most patients actually say, I went to the hospital, they ran imaging and nothing showed up. Um, so what we're looking for from patients to, to know that there's something wrong is they got to self-evaluate and say, do I have symptoms that seem like a concussion? And here's what, what here's what I would say to look for. Light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, um, changes in like balance or equilibrium, changes in mood, changes in sleep. So if you're noticing those kind of things, there's a probably there's a good probability that you have a concussion. And that's when you need to go figure out like what's going on. Like why, why can I not sleep when I used to? Why am I super sensitive to my environment, to light, to people, to noise, to crowds? You know, there's got to be something going on that's that where your brain has changed. Sometimes people can, you know, they can be healthy enough where they can pull out of it. And that's super awesome. But, you know, if this is now lingering on for a month or two or three, you know, that's, it's probably not going to get better. You're just going to start compensating. So you need to get checked out sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, just kind of going to like after point of impact, right? So uh, it used to be known, and I know still some older doctors still say this, but like, don't sleep that night of a concussion. But now they're saying you can sleep. Where do you kind of lie in that? What to do after you hit your head if you're not bad enough to go to a hospital, but you definitely have a concussion? Uh, it's interesting you brought that up. I don't think I've actually been asked that question, but is it one that I've actually pondered? You know, because that I, I don't know is going to be my answer because, yeah, we, I mean, going through sports and then having I have two kids, you know, yeah, you, you there's a concussion or they hit their head and you're always thought, especially when they're a baby, you're like, OK, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. You know, and then as a parent, you're like sitting there at midnight, one o'clock, like you're trying not to fall asleep. And then you're like, oh, screw it. You're fine. <laughs> you know, because at some point you have to sleep. Yeah. So but then you look at the purity of how our bodies work. Right. And if there's a, there's an issue going on, your body wants to sleep and rest and recover. And that's kind of when your brain rehabs and heals is in your sleep. That's why sleep is so important because if people don't sleep, then their brain doesn't get a chance to re to recover. So it almost makes sense in a weird way that you should want to go to sleep, but then they're always like, don't go to sleep. Cause what if you die? You know, it's like, it's interesting that you brought that up because I've wondered, but I haven't heard any like, research on it lately that's come across my desk, but I haven't really gone out and researched for it. So that that's always been, I'm going to talk about what you said. It's, it's always been the, your brain recovers in sleep. So like just in the health and wellness world, right? You're trying to lose weight. Let's say the first thing that we tell people to do is, well, you're not sleeping enough. Let's right. do the easiest fix. Screw exercise, screw diet, sleep. <laughs> that's yep. going to help reset your body for the day. That's going to help prevent uh, dementia as you get older, it's going to help boost your metabolism, re get your body going again, and have, give you more energy, just getting that quality amount of sleep. So reflecting back to concussions, it's that same thing. Like after you whack your head and right after the initial like shock of what the hell is going on, you get exhausted. It's like you haven't slept in a week. <laughs> it's almost impossible to stay awake and you're just in and out, in and out. And then I'm going to tell you just from experience, I, at the fourth one, 
was when it was like, all right, it's okay to sleep now. I slept. I actually felt way better that one than the other three because I knew at that point, like, it's okay. Go to bed, sleep. You'll be fine. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, just like kind of stayed with me for the first four hours I was sleeping to make sure I didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I would probably lean towards at this point is like, you know, just make sure that nothing's going to happen to that person. But sleep is probably the best thing for them so that their brain has a chance to like shut the system down. Right. It's like, it's like if if you, you know, you watch some of these old, like, uh, like Star Trek, you know, back in the day, my, my, my parents would watch Star Trek, you know, and they would have it, you know, something would happen and they would shut down all the systems, you know, to, to divert power to that system or to like divert power away. Right. Your brain kind of does the same thing. It's kind of this brilliant organism that says, all right, or organ, not organism. That's weird. But you know, it's this organ that says, Sometimes it feels like an organism, but no, but you have this organ that says, okay, we don't need power to these systems. Like shut that down. Let's get everybody over here so we can start repairing. So it, it makes sense from a common, a con, it just makes common sense, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And then just to kind of, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to bring up one last point and then we're going to move on. Know the signs and symptoms of a concussion. And I think what you said is pretty spot on vision is a huge one like if even like just light sensitivity is always the first thing and then the fourth one i didn't get that but i put on one step of a ladder afterwards and my the world just started spinning don't push through it then you're gonna fall off that ladder because the world is literally going three million miles an hour and you're just like all right take a break take it easy try not to push through don't make it worse don't do what I did and go back and play. Uh, after the first one, I continued playing the sport I got a concussion on. But don't do that <laughs> and go get help. So let's fast forward. What's up? How, how do people know? I know you said it's about a month, but how would I know it's time to go see somebody like you to go get checked out? Is it every concussion? Is it only if it's lingering a week, a month? What's that time span of? hey, I should go get reset, go get checked out, or you know what, that was a very, very minor hit to my head. It's nothing. I'm good. Move on. Here's a great way to answer that question. Um, so my daughter had a concussion uh, maybe four or five years ago. She plays competitive soccer. So she had a concussion. I was out of town um, lecturing, which is when it always seems to happen is when I'm out of town lecturing. That's when things fall apart. So I get back home and she's in her room crying, sunglasses on, in the dark, laying in bed, you know, so you're like, well, oh, that looks like a concussion to me. So with my daughter, I said, the, the first thing we did was like, I'm pulling you into my office this week to check you out and to make sure that you're, you know, obviously you're not good, but to find out what's not working and let's start rehabbing those systems because I don't want you to live like this for a long time. I don't even want you to live like this for two weeks. So my answer in a perfect world would be ASAP. Because as soon as like you can identify those pieces, the sooner you can start fixing them. And, and, and because you don't want them to linger, the brain actually changes and, and protein structures change. Let's talk about fitness, right? In the fitness world, if you're building muscle and you're exercising regularly, you don't necessarily see changes overnight if you get a brand new client, but there's still changes taking place. Protein flips over about every 12 or 10 to 12 days. 
you know, so you're not going to work out your biceps and then one week be like, dang, those are amazing. Right. It's going to be a couple of months. And and then usually (laughs) usually a buddy goes, have you been working out? And you're like, finally, somebody recognizes this, but there's still changes taking place just in the brain. There's still changes because your brain's made of protein as well. So those proteins are still taking place. And what you want to make sure is that you don't get too many weeks or months of these changes in the negative. So you want to identify them, stop the bleed, start the rehab, and that would be the best perfect scenario. So if anybody could just jump in, find somebody to evaluate, that's what I would do because that's what I do for my daughter. That's what I do for my friends. That's what I do for anybody that I know personally. I'm like, get your butt in my office and let me check you out. Good answer. Love it. And I want to talk into like more specifics about after the fact, what are some rehab things you could do? Let's say we don't have access to you because I know you're out in Colorado, but something different. And we're going to grab it to that. We're just going to grab a quick break from our sponsor, guys, and we'll be right. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way. And through fitness, you could do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference. Everybody and welcome back to the show. We have Dr. Sediment here. We're talking all about concussions. We were we're going pretty in detail on this. I actually love this episode because I haven't done this. We're almost like 140 episodes in, and I still have yet to have someone who's an expert on concussions on. So this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> but I want to go right. into what specifically, right? We talked. We said do functional rehab. You said do, what can we do? especially on our own, because like if we don't have access to a chiropractic neurologist in our area, like I don't hear. So what can I do to help make sure I don't end up worse? I'm just going to tell you, like, personally, I feel like I'm 12 years out of my major one and I still feel like minor lingering effects, whereas it's mostly just word recall is what I'm struggling with. I'm like really, really good. 99% of the time this podcast has actually helped a lot but once in a while i get stuck in a word which is something i never never done before post like mm-hmm. pre-concussion so i want to talk about that and really break down what are some simple things you can do to help get over a brain injury and a concussion well i think if you're doing things on your own probably what's what is good to do is probably for the first week you know to to get some rest because your brain has to heal right if you sprain your ankle it's probably not good to go for a run. You know, you got to rest it a little bit, you know, so let's think about that on our own. So we'll use kind of the ankle analogy with the brain. So I think that's probably the most appropriate. If you sprain your ankle, you definitely, it's going to swell. It's going to be painful. It's going to get discolored. Um, your, your muscles are going to get weak. Your joints are going to be irritated and inflamed. So it just makes it really hard to do things. So to push through it is not necessarily the best thing to do. So I think in that first like week or two, you know, with your brain, if you get a chance to rest, that's not a bad idea because you you need sleep, right? We need sleep. We need to we need just let our brain kind of heal and recover. 
from that point, we got to start the process of healing our, our ankle. So, you know, with the ankle, you would do like using exercise bands. You might do some range of motion. You might do the little alphabet with your foot, you know. Um, and then people say, well, I got to take my supplements. You know, I got to take my anti-inflammatories, my arnica, chondroitin sulfate, you know, whatever whatever that you can utilize for your ankle, you would say, well, let's start getting that into your system to speed up the healing process. Can we do also do that for the brain? Absolutely. So we can do things like, you know, fish oil and we can use turmeric as another good one for the brain. We can use glutathione. And I know people don't have access to all these, but yeah, they are out there. But these are some of the things that you can do is you can eat healthy, right? I, I, I was, I attended a brain injury support group once and they had pizza in the back. And I was like, are you for real? Are you for real? You have a room full of 60 people and you're feeding them pizza. That makes zero sense to me. So you don't have to eat like garbage. You can actually have a really healthy you know, meal plan. You can eat your good fats, your healthy protein. You can get your veggies in, take your fish oil, drink your water, you know, do all the things that you should do to allow your body to heal itself the best it can. And these are things that I think that people can do right away. That's not that hard. You don't have to do anything besides put something different in your mouth than a donut. You know, so I think if, if, if we start thinking about like, how can we help our brain and support our brain, rest, hydration, good eating, and then maybe some supplements like fish oil and turmeric is probably what I suggest. Yeah, love it. And uh, what about that exercise component? And I'm only bringing that up because that's what helped me. It was the engaging in physical activity to help reset my brain, to help get my body moving again, to help give me energy again. So talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. I think that is important. Um, I think what people don't realize, and if you kind of stop and think about it, is that everything that we do day to day is some kind of activation to the brain. The brain thrives on input and activation. That's why if you just sit on the couch by yourself, a bump on a log, you're going to go downhill pretty quick. That's why like there was the stats that people that retire, they, they pass away four years later, right? It's just like, if you don't engage your brain, then it starts to kind of decline. So exercise is important. This is why fitness and the cardio and all those things like that are important because they stimulate your brain and they activate your brain. When you activate a muscle, it goes to a certain part of the brain. A joint goes to another part of the brain. Smell to another part. Community, friendship, laughter, talking, all those things like that are super healthy for their brain. So when you're engaging in activities, you're actually doing brain rehab. You know, so you kind of watch your limits, right? Just like an exercise, you wouldn't say, hey, let's just, you know, but, you know, you, you, uh, you know, strained your knee. So let's just go do some uh, leg extensions at a hundred pounds. You'd be like, nope, let's start at 20 and let's do like three sets of five, <laughs> see how you do. And then we'll build it up from there. And that's how you want to treat your brain just like a muscle. So instead of doing like, instead of going out to a concert, cause I had one patient do that to me. She's like, she's like, yeah, there's this great concert at Red Rocks that I just bought tickets for like six months ago. Can I go? And I was like, I really don't think you should go. And she's like, but you understand I bought these tickets. You know, I was like, look, it's your choice, but I don't think you should go. Next week, she told me she sat on the side crying because <laughs> the lights and the crowd and the noise and the dark and the fatigue, she couldn't do it. That's a hundred pound weight, if not maybe 200 pounds of weight, right? That's ridiculous. So you want to start like gradually engaging back into like walking, yoga, Pilates, um, engaging with others, you know, going, hanging out with friends, maybe at, at your house or their house, where it's not super crazy environment, but you're getting back into the swing of things and your brain goes, I like this. This is cool. I can rehab. Those are really good things to do. 
positive stimulation. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> what about lingering symptoms? What are the most common? I know the movie Concussion we talked about, and that was huge for a lot of people, knowing that CTE later in life is like a real thing. Like you start with a lot of professional football players, but it does happen to people outside of that industry. And it was so unexplained why they became different people and started having these outlashes. What are the signs and symptoms that you're headed towards that route? What are some ways besides anything besides that positive stimulation that you can do to help make sure you don't get it? Or, or is there like a threshold, like, Hey, you hit your head 25 times you're getting CTE. It's what's the commonality in there. Oh, that's one. That one's really tough because I think they're they're trying to come out with laboratory testing to show like are, are somebody heading that direction. Right now, you still don't know until the very end. You know when they do an autopsy, it's it's really hard. They're they're looking at some things with like uh, some MNRA kind of technology. There are some cool things coming out, but you don't know, so it's hard to correlate and and, and see that. So what you're kind of looking for is you, honestly some of these mood changes. Because you can almost, I mean, you watch some of the NFL athletes, right? And, you know, you hear a story of spousal abuse. You hear a story of sexual abuse. You hear a story of, you know, violence or gang or beating up somebody. And you're just like, hmm, that kind of makes sense. I mean, unfortunately, because you, you hit that frontal lobe enough. And the frontal lobe is what gives you your executive function of what's right and what's wrong. Or to not be irate or irrational at certain times. Or not to be impulsive and gamble. So when you start seeing these behavioral changes like drug addiction, gambling, irritability, abuse, um, psychological changes, anxiety, PTSD that won't resolve, if, if you get any of these kind of behavioral changes, I would say you're probably not heading down a great path. You know, if your spouse says, hey, you used to be this person and now you're this person, that's probably a really bad sign, <laughs> you know, and that's that's what I would say is probably would be some of the more scary things, you know, we're looking at somebody long-term wise is because you, I mean, you've had concussions. You could probably tell me that you could probably confirm this, that whatever your brain tells you to be is who you are. Yeah. And that's, that's super scary because, you know, if all of a sudden you're kind of a, a jerk gambling addict and that, that is a very negative connotation, I get it. But if that's a, you know, if you're kind of that, if you turned into that person, quote unquote, that's, it doesn't necessarily mean you can just snap out of it. And that's what a lot of people think. It's like, oh, just change your behaviors and snap out of it. You'll be fine. Their brain is totally different now. And, that, and it's kind of scary to, to know what can happen. Yeah. So, like, I guess uh, a good example, like, the biggest thing I noticed, like, mine wasn't the frontal lobe. Mine was always the acapital lobe I hit <laughs> yeah. pretty much every time. So, the back of my head. And when I was younger, I, I specifically remember that I was able to – read in cars, play video games in cars, watch movies, like go on boat rides and never suffered from motion sickness. Now I can't even go in the passenger seat of a vehicle without feeling like I'm going to throw up and yeah. I have to lay down and not move. And that makes me have to drive always because I, I went on a ferry and a ferry is a huge boat in a calm day. And after a half an hour, I started getting seasick. It just something I've never been able to explain. And I, I don't know if that's correlated with concussions or just something else that, outside of that. No, in that case, that's correlated with your cerebellum. So, which makes sense because when you hit the back of your head, that's where your cerebellum lives. 
and then your occipital lobe is just a little bit above it. But you're going to whack that cerebellum, and the cerebellum is that part that, if it's not working, you can actually have speech issues. You can have um, there's actually aspects of memory in the cerebellum. You can have seasickness. You can have motion sickness. You can have car sickness. You can have inst- like equilibrium can be like just off. Because so the cerebellum is the same part of the brain that alcohol hits. You know, so if you kind of look at you know somebody who's you know drunk you know, they get nauseous really easily, or they're just like, you know, they're like, Oh no, you got to pull over. I'm going to throw up now, you know, and and you hear all these like kind of stories that you see with drunk people, you can experience that if you whack your cerebellum, you know, the slurred speech and memory issues and and all that. So it it makes sense that that part of your brain is what got whacked the most. And then, you know, an exercise would make it better because everything goes through the cerebellum. Like when you do exercises or squats or whatever you want to do, all your muscles and joints drive into the cerebellum because it's got to know where you're at in space to do things. So that's a, so consequently for the cerebellum, that was a great rehab strategy. Are there other things you can do? Absolutely. But yeah, so, and that kind of goes back to knowing which part of your brain is damaged and then you know, which part of your brain, which rehab strategy is the most effective for that person. I think you pretty much just nailed it on the head there. Cause everything you said, I was like, yeah, I got that. I got that. I got that. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> Yeah. So it definitely all all relates to that same issue. But I guess the point is, does it ever fully heal? Is there is there a way to say I'm a hundred percent better? Because I can tell you I'm not. I can tell you I'm I'm ninety five percent better, and that's huge. Because the doctors told me I would never be able to do things ever again in my life. That I'd be stuck with migraines every week and be laying in bed and have to take this medicine. I've been off that shit for 10 years, Mm -hmm. but now it's like I'm 95. I feel great, but I'm not that 5%. And I still like have that lingering symptoms. Like I woke, how do you get over that last hump? Oh, that's a great question. And I think the, the truthful answer is you may not get to hundred percent. And if you're 95, that is pretty amazing. Let's use the ankle analogy again. If you roll your ankle, have you ever done that? I've done that. It sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you roll your ankle. It looks like somebody stuck a softball under your skin. It's black and blue. If you do that enough times, people would say, my ankle has just never been the same. You can still sure. run. You can still play. You can still do whatever you want. But they'll say, my ankle has never been the same since that last injury. So your ankle will probably not get to 100%. And then as you get older... You know, you'll just, you'll see that, that hundred percent, you're just not, you're not going to reach that. So the brain is, is very similar to that, that, I mean, if you're not 95, I would actually give you massive props. Cause that's, that's pretty cool. Now, can you keep making it and pushing for 96, 97%, 98%? Absolutely. Because the brain is plastic. It does change and you can make it better with activity, but it's, it's sometimes those last little percents are super hard, just like weight loss. Or just like those goals in fitness, sometimes those last little bit is the hardest to achieve. And you're like, are you kidding me? And, you know, so then you have to change things up. You have to do things different. You know, so do you play, do you go out and become the next pickleball champion? Because that's what all the rave is right now, right? Do you become the next pickleball champion? And that gets you to 96%. You know, do you decide to become a mountain climber? And maybe that gets you to 98%. Like, that's that's the hardest part, but the fact that you can even say ninety five, I think, is pretty stinking amazing for what you you've gone through, and I would say this for other people as well. I'm not was not looking for props, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
it just it I think it just shows the the power of the brain and i think just an example and then i want to kind of move on but i can do a one-legged pistol squat on top of a bosu ball no problem nice easy but i can't sit in the back of a car like Correct. just like little like things like that with just these minor equilibrium issues like when I'm focused and I'm on, I got it. When I'm not a hundred percent in it and thinking about what I'm doing, it's not happening. It's zero chance. <laughs> and, and there's different parts of your brain. So even when you look at the cerebellum, there's different sections of the cerebellum that are responsible for different things. So you can do a bunch of Bosu balls, squats, and, and you know, and all those different things. That works a very specific part of your brain that you've made that part of the brain really good. Now you get into other parts of the brain that will deal with like rotational movements or translation. Those parts might need to be rehabbed next. And how do you do that? Well, you would have to do translational exercises or rotational exercises, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how the brain works. So if you're to say, if you and I were working together, you're like, Hey, this, and I'm using you, but this is how everybody is. Hey, this is where I'm amazing at. Here's where my deficiencies are. Then we go, okay, what's causing those deficiencies and what rehab strategies can we do to fix those? So for instance, like I have a big rotation chair, rotating chair. This looks like something you see in NASA. So I can put somebody in that rotation chair and I can slowly, not fast because it'll make you feel bad, but I can slowly (laughs) move you in a specific direction that would rehab that, but then also like watch you and make sure we're not exceeding what your brain can handle. So it might be freakishly slow for like a half a turn stop, maybe a half a turn stop. Cause then that's, that's five pounds of weight. Right. And then as you get stronger, maybe it's a, a, a three quarters turn, maybe it's a full turn, maybe it's now a turn and a half. So then as that part of the brain gets better, then you should be able to handle more. But if you're not rehabbing rotational or translational, which is back and forth, if you're not rotating or rehabbing those mechanisms, then how are they going to get better? You know, so maybe, Maybe you should run on, on BOSU balls in a straight line. I don't know. You know, this like that's where brain rehab can become really creative. I, I love that. It was it was so definitely in depth. And I'm really glad we got had a nice like example to kind of chat back and forth about. So <laughs> thank you for yeah. that. Is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as head injuries or chiropractic neurology to really help out uh, anyone listening now? Oh man, I think we've done a great job. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like, no, I think we covered quite a bit of cool stuff that I think gives a lot of people things to think about, which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to get to the final two questions, Dr. Stevin. The first one is if you were to summarize this episode in one or two set sentences, what would be your take home message? Is if you get a concussion, do something now. Don't wait because I wish there's so many patients that have could have that I could have gotten my hands on them at the very beginning, I think their life would have been different. And it's not because I'm a miracle worker. It's just because I think if you can get to a situation sooner than later, I think a lot, I think the outcome could be much better. And I think too oftentimes people wait for a year or two, five, 10. I mean, some of these stories are crazy. So yeah, get fixed, get checked out sooner than later. Don't wait. I love it. And then the easiest question of all, how can people find you, get a hold of you, all the good stuff? Absolutely. So our website's uh, integratedbraincenters.com because we integrate a lot of different therapies and rehab. So it makes it easy. Integratedbraincenters.com. Um, you know, we're on Facebook and we do we do webinars for our patients and live Q&A's and all sorts of stuff like that. So people can join in on that and hang out and ask questions. But 
yeah, if they follow us on social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all those things like, you know, sort of integrated health. We got a couple different sites like integrated health and then uh, integrated brain centers. So we're on social media and all that. And, you know, if people are, are ever interested or want to learn more um, about them, we, we do free consultations all the time to see if it's something that'd be a great fit or if we can help. And if so, great. And if not, find somebody else close to them. I don't know. Just got to get people better. It's all that matters. Uh, I love it. Creating a network of those that truly can help. That's what it's Absolutely. all about. That's what we do it here. And thank you guys for joining us on this week's episode of Hello Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is medicine. Until next time.